was markedly married, being born in Lisbon on the Feast of the Assumption, being August the 15th in 1195. And later on in his life, Our Lady would appear to him, reaffirming the great truth of her glorious Assumption, body and soul into heaven. He was baptized in the Church of St. Mary in Lisbon, and at the age of 15, he completed his studies at the Cathedral School of St. Mary. During life, he made Mary more known and more loved, and doing so, she made, he made Jesus more known and more loved. For Mary always or ever remains the path that leads to Jesus Christ. Every encounter with her can only encounter with, result in an encounter with God, with Christ himself. Mary is the echo of God. If we say Mary, she will answer God. For this reason, union with her is always followed with union with God. And as death drew nigh, Anthony longed to be taken to St. Mary's, the mother of God, Friary in Padua. And after receiving extreme unction, he intoned his favorite hymn to her, O Glorioso Domina, which means O Glorious Lady. Lady is a title of respect for a woman. Mary is the Lady of Ladies, deserving our greatest respect and our greatest admiration. She is God's Lady, and she was Anthony's Lady, and she is our lady, and that's why we are here today. Anthony died on the 13th of June, the 13th being our lady's day. Now this is biblical, because Esther in the Old Testament was a type of Mary. And Queen Esther interceded to save her people on the 13th day of the month of Adar. Esther means star, and when Our Lady appeared at Fatima, she appeared with a star on her dress. In other words, she appeared as a heavenly Queen Esther in these times to save her children, the new Israel of God, in these perilous times. The number I was actually ordained, I was converted on the 13th of the month, and I was ordained on the 13th of the month, on the month of May, which is the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And I was converted uh, 13 years prior to my ordination. 13 is not an unlucky number, it is Our Lady's number. And the letter N is often used in sacred art and Christian art to symbolize Mary. That's why you find the letter N at the back of the miraculous medal. The letter N for Mary, believe it or not, is the 13th letter of the Hebrew, Roman, and English alphabet. And he died with the Blessed Virgin Mary on his lips and in his heart. The late father, Angela Shaughnessy, a friend of mine once said, it was Mary who put flesh and bones on our God to make him a lovable, huggable, kissable, caressable, touchable, tangible, edible, and eatable God. We owe it all to her. 
And it becomes increasingly clear, brothers and sisters, that those who are ever devoted to the Mother of God, which St. Anthony was, for he imitated her with such perfection that he became, as it were, an extension of her on this earth. It is increasingly clear that those who are devoted to the Mother of God are at the same time ever devoted to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, which Anthony also was. And the commonality between the two is because Mary channels that body to Jesus Christ. And in the Blessed Sacrament, we have his human nature, his body, and his blood. His little body in her immaculate womb was the natural Eucharist, the natural Holy Communion in which God shared communion with human life, thus preparing for the later Eucharist when God himself would share himself with us in Holy Communion. You know, you and I could never speak in terms of eating and drinking the flesh and the blood of the Son of God had it not been for Mary who channeled that human body to him for us to eat and to drink. Hence the title that is next to hers, theologically, as Mother of God, is Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. And do you know that the feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament is the very same feast as Our Lady of Fatima, May the 13th. Mary's role as Mother is to bear Jesus to us and us to Jesus Christ. And she continues to bear us to her Eucharistic Son. She bore St. Anthony to a great love and intimacy with her Eucharistic Son, and she also used St. Anthony during his life to staunchly defend the doctrine of the Holy Eucharist, of the real and true presence of her Eucharistic Son, bearing many other souls to great love and intimacy with him. You know, there's a true story about a heretic who disputed uh, St. Anthony on the real and true presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Well, the story goes that Anthony requested that the heretic's mule be starved for three days. And he himself prayed and fasted during those three days. On the third day after celebrating the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, he took the consecrated host with him to, to, to the public square. And the square was packed with heretics on one side, and those who were converted to the faith on the other side. And the heretic in question who challenged, who challenged St. Anthony on the real presence had a pail of the most delicious smelling foods by his side in order to lure his donkey to himself while St. Anthony held the Holy Eucharist in his hand, whilst the donkey stood between both of them. St. Anthony gave the animal a little sermon. He said, creature of God, in his name, I command you to come over and adore him, so that it will give truth to all of the real presence of Jesus in the blessed sacrament of the Eucharist. Well, the mule ignored the owner, his owner, and the food, and instead went over to where Anthony held up the body of Jesus Christ. And he knelt down on both legs and lowered his head in reverence. Excuse the pun, but in all those heretics, 
feel like asses at that moment. And utterly in awe of that spectacle, they followed the example of the mule, including its owner, falling on their knees and with heads bowed to the ground in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, unbelievers and rationalists will undoubtedly deny miracles such as this. And others, perhaps, will doubt them. To the former, the unbelievers and the rationalists, may I say with the royal prophet, it is the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. If they deny the existence of God, then it is not to be wondered that they do not admit the existence of miracles. To the latter, those who doubt. Well, I refer them to the Old and the New Testaments, where they can read many miracles, which although they seem extravagant, yet they cannot be doubted by anyone as they are contained in the divine word of God. We read that the serpent spoke to the woman in Genesis 3, that the wife of Lot was suddenly changed into a statue of salt in Genesis 19, that the ass spoke to Balaam the prophet in the book of Numbers, that water issued from the jawbone of an ass to quench the thirst of Samson in the book of Judges, and also the money which St. Peter found in the mouth of a fish, along with many other miracles. Give me a sense to go fishing to find their money. Moreover, we should reflect on the promise which our Holy Redeemer made to his faithful followers, saying, Amen, amen, I say to you, that he that believeth in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater than these shall he do. In ecclesiastical history, there are related many great and extravagant, extravagant miracles wrought by God through his faithful servants especially through St. Anthony of Padua, which we call the wonder worker beyond compare. Read the life of St. Anthony and you will find many miracles in the life of St. Anthony and many miracles through his intercession after his death. Controversy over the real and true presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist has been with us, brothers and sisters, since the days of Capernaum. When Jesus spoke to us, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no life within you. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. He who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood lives in me, and I live in them, and I shall raise them up on the last day. And we're told in sacred scriptures, when Jesus spoke to us, many of his disciples walked away, never to follow him again saying this doctrine is too hard for us to accept. From that day forth, Jesus made faith in his Eucharistic presence an ultimate test of discipleship. And so I say to all of you today, are you a true disciple of Jesus or not? Do you believe in the real and true presence of Jesus or not? When the priest administers Holy Communion to you at Mass and says the body of Christ, do you sincerely say with faith, Amen, I believe, so be it. 
revealed by God, confirmed by Holy Mother Church, and proven by many miracles, it is inexcusable that anyone would deny the miracle of the Holy Eucharist, which St. Thomas Aquinas calls the wonders of wonders and the greatest of all miracles. You know, there are, there are nearly 200 approved Eucharistic miracles in the history of the Catholic Church. And these, all these miracles show forth that Jesus' blood type was type AB positive. Did you know that? From the Shroud of Turin and from all the other Eucharistic miracles. So if you have type AB positive blood, you're in good company. <laughs> the Son of God had type AB blood according to these Eucharistic miracles. And if you type AB blood, the positive blood, then you're in double good company. Because Mary also had type AB positive blood because his blood was taken from her blood. For all those who believe, no explanation is necessary. For those who do not believe, no explanation is possible. The Holy Eucharist, my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, is a mystery of our Catholic faith. Thank you, Father, for hiding these truths from the learned and the wise and revealing them to the little ones. As I said, controversy over the real and true presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist has been with us since the days of Capernaum and are still with us today. Yes, brothers and sisters, how difficult it must be for the proud of every age, especially in our age, to fathom the humility of God. This doctrine is too hard for us to accept. That Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, would humble himself to the extent that he comes to us under the form of sinful bread. Not only does he come to us under the form of the humble appearance of bread, he actually comes to us under the form of unleavened bread. It's a bread that does not pop off, nor does it rise. It's the most humble form of bread. This is beyond the human comprehension of men. And so, brothers and sisters, St. Francis of Assisi once said about the Eucharist, O sublime humility, O humble sublimity. Those who are his disciples accept this doctrine humbly in faith, and no explanation is necessary. But for those who reject, who continue to walk away today of the crowd, who reject this doctrine because it is too hard for them to accept, and no explanation is possible. You know, one of my favorite stories pertaining to Fatima happened back in 1986, when the pilgrim statue of Our Lady was being processed from the Covadidia, the Capolina, where Our Lady appeared at the Three Shepherd Children, to the Cathedral of Lisbon for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December the 8th. And it took about three weeks, two to three weeks, to process the statue from Fatima, going to village, to village from, uh, in the midst of changing crowds. And the people would come out from the different villages and the different places where our lady would stop. They would come out and sing uh, hymns in 
honor of Our Lady, they would invoke her intercession through prayer. And one town, the town of Bombardo, the people in honor of Our Lady released four white doves in the crowd. And instead of flying away, three of the white doves remained. And they flew in a circular fashion over the head of the statue of Our Lady. To the amazement of the crowd, all three simultaneously plummeted downwards and perched at Our Lady's seat. And they remained facing her in that fixed position for a duration of over two weeks without eating or drinking. The odd fluttering of wings just to keep their balance as the statue was being uh, processed through changing crowds. Finally, on December the 8th, the key cathedral in Fatima, during the hush of silence before the consecration, the ringing of the bell before the consecration, it is said that they heard, all the people heard a fluttering of wings, and they noticed that two of the three birds that had remained at Our Lady's feet without eating or drinking for over two weeks, left Our Lady's feet, and one flew to one side of the altar, and the other flew to the other side of the altar. And as the priest recited the words of consecration over the bread and wine to change the bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, it is said that the two uh, birds, the two doves, prostrate themselves and fold their wings over their heads as though they were angels in adoration of their God, of their Creator, just come down upon that altar. And they remained, and they remained in that prostrate position, a prostrate position, until the final elevation. And just before the final elevation, they heard another flutter of wings, and they noticed that the third bird flew from Our Lady's feet to the crown of Our Lady, which contains the bullet that shot uh, John Paul II in St. Peter's Square. He said that one hand fired the bullet, another hand miraculously diverted the bullet, and that was Our Lady. And so in honor of Our Lady, he placed that bullet in her crown. And as the bishop held up the consecrated host aloft, for the final elevation, it is said that all three birds stood up on their legs and opened their white wings and remained in this position until our Lord, until the bishop, lowered Jesus back onto the altar, into the altar. And once he did, all three birds flew out of the cathedral, never to be seen again. So if you ever see a statue of a lady with the three white doves at her feet, that's the story about the three white doves. Now, there's a true story about a very elegant dinner function that took place in an English countryside mansion. And to entertain the guests, a famous actor was brought in, entertaining them with Shakespearean readings. To be quite honest with you, I would not be entertained with Shakespearean readings. <laughs> I hated English, and I hated math in school. In fact, I hated school. So, I loved the sport. But I hated school. You know, my twin brother, yes, the two good-looking guys running around the world. My twin brother and myself jumped out the window on my first day of school and ran home. That's fine. <laughs> my mother says, what are you doing back home? Get back to school. And fall downhill from there on in. <laughs> so when he finished, he received a standing ovation to lengthy applause. And as an encore, he decided to accept one request. There was a little shy old priest attending the dinner function, and he 
stood up rather nervously. He said, sir, could you recite for us my favorite song, which is the 23rd song, The Lord is My Shepherd. Well, the actor consented. He says, as long as you, Father, recite the same song after me. So the actor got up and he recited the song with such eloquence that when he finished, he received another standing ovation to let the applause. Then there was a little shy old priest heard, and he got up and he recited that very same song with faith and with heart. And when he finished, there was no standing ovation, there was no applause, but complete silence with tears flowing down the eyes of many. And after a minute of silence, the actor got up and says, my dear people, do you understand Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what happened here this evening? I knew the song, but this priest knows the shepherd. Brothers and sisters, that's what our Catholic faith is all about. Coming to know and love the good shepherd. And that little white consecrated host that is offered at Mass, that is consumed at Mass, and is worshipped by us outside of Mass, is our good shepherd. So how do we get to know and love the good shepherd? Well, remember an abbot, uh, McCaffrey, once saying, by becoming altar lovers and tabernacle huggers. <laughs> the Holy Eucharist, my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, is both sacrifice and sacrament. And we were reminded of this vividly at Fatima in 1916. When the angel of Portugal, the angel of peace, which was St. Michael the Archangel, how do we know that? Because we are told by Lucia in her memoirs. And also, too, Portugal was consecrated to St. Michael the Archangel since 1140. So it was St. Michael, he is the patron saint of Portugal, he is the saint of Portugal, the angel of Portugal. And he brought with him a consecrated host and a chalice. And it remained suspended in the air before him and the three shepherd children. And they prostrate themselves before the Eucharist. And the angel taught them two Eucharistic prayers. And to show forth the sacrificial, na the sacrificial nature of the Mass, the host started bleeding into the chalice. And to show forth the sacramental nature of the Mass, after they finished adoring the Eucharist of their Eucharistic God, the angel took the sacred host and he gave Holy Communion with the sacred host to Lucia. And then he took the chalice and he gave the precious blood to Francisco and Jacinta. That was their first Holy Communion. Their first Holy Communion was received from the hands of an angel. Let me tell you, the hands of any angel do not surpass the hands of any priest. And so they received the first Holy Communion on that occasion. We believe as Catholics that a transubstantiation of bread and wine into the very body and blood of Jesus Christ takes place on our Catholic altars where Holy Mass is offered. We should have learned that word as children, transubstantiation. Well, babies, usually one of the first words they learn is a pacifier. 
Another big word for little child, huh? Pacifier. But we should have learned that big word, the theological word of transubstantiation as a child. Transubstantiation means that the whole substance of the bread and wine is changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, while the accidents of bread and wine remain the same. So what does that mean? It means that after the consecration, it looks like bread, tastes like bread, feels like bread, but it isn't bread, but in fact the body of Jesus Christ. It looks like wine, smells like wine, tastes like wine after the consecration, but it is far from being wine with the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. St. Anthony said about transubstantiation, upon the altar that takes place the transubstantiation of bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That body which he begot from the Virgin Mary, which hung upon the cross and was placed in the sepulchre, which rose again the third day and ascended to the right hand of the Father, this body, the church today and every day, presents and distributes to the faithful. When the priest speaks the words, this is my body, the essence of the bread is changed into the body of Jesus Christ. And when he says, this is my blood, the essence of the wine is changed into the blood of Jesus Christ. Do not doubt the power of God to change bread and wine into his very body and blood. He has already proved that he had power over created things. Did he not calm storms? Did he not walk in water? Did he not feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish? McDonald's, Burger King, eat your heart out, Jesus, the first fast food operator. <laughs> and you better believe that was the best fish burger they ever tasted. <laughs> a king that he changed water into wine, and according to St. Augustine, on that occasion, the water looked at his creator and blushed into wine, and first class wine at that. And so on the nights that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and wine, and changed them into his body and his blood, instituting the Holy Eucharist as both sacrifice and sacrament. St. Cyril of Jerusalem said, do not see bread and wine after the consecration of the Mass. For he himself said, it is his body, it is his blood, and truth cannot lie to us, even though our senses suggest otherwise. St. Thomas Aquinas thought that with the Holy Eucharist, all five senses fails. The Holy Eucharist as sacrifice. As Catholics, we believe that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass that Jesus instituted at the Last Supper and the sacrifice of himself on the cross the following day are one and the same. That Mass is the renewal of Christ's sacrifice, which he offered once and for all in Mount Calvary for our redemption and salvation. Thus, the Mass has the same infinite value as Calvary, because it is Calvary perpetuated on our Catholic altars. The fruit of the cross is the fruit of every Mass. Even St. Thomas Aquinas said that the celebration of the Holy Mass is as valuable as the death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus merited for all men with his holy sacrifice of the cross all the 
graces of redemption. But with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus applies to humanity the merits of his redemption until the end of the world. This is why we should become altar lovers. We should rejoice always in the, as Catholics in the great privilege of being able to participate at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And not to be those type of Catholics who want to get into Mass and get out of Mass just as quick. We're at Mass to worship God. You give time to give Him worship, not to be rushing Mass or want the priest to limit it to an hour. This is Mass. This is Calvary perpetuated on our Catholic altars. No other prayer, no other act of worship can, can be compared to it. The prayers of the Pope, the bishops, the cardinals, bishops, priests, religious, laying in union with the holy souls of purgatory, in union with all the angels and saints, in union with the Blessed Virgin Mary, is as nothing compared to the efficaciousness of just one single Mass. At Mass, we offer ourselves in union with Jesus, the Son of God, in this sublime act of worship, which is of infinite value to God and of infinite value to us. You know, David spoke about the apparition of Tui. I didn't hear his talk, but he spoke about the apparition of Tui in Spain to Sister Lucia. My ordination card had the actual uh, the, the image of the vision that Lucia saw of the Mass on that occasion in 1929. And I always wanted to go to Chile, and I was traveling from France in, through Spain into Fatima, to Fatima. And I just said to her ladies, as you know, Mother Mary, I know I'm in Spain, but I'd love to see this place, Chile, where, uh, you, where, where you see the vision of the Jordan, that Sister Lucia saw the vision of the Holy Mass. And right at that moment, I saw this sign, Chewy, four miles away. So I said, Mother Mary, if this is the Chewy, I'm going to drive in. Please bring me to the very convent where this apparition took place, this vision. And it's a big enough city. And there I drive in, and I stopped right outside the convent, not even knowing that the convent was right beside me. And so I had... Uh, my own personal time it was nearly closing time, and I had the collar on, and so I spent a little time in that chapel. Now, during that vision, uh, what Lucia saw was God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and Jesus hanging on the cross. Our Lady was at the foot of the cross, just as she was at Calvary. So, know that Our Lady stands at the foot of every altar where Mass is offered. Don't forget to invoke her intercession at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for graces. You know, it is believed that she is the one, according to the saints, and St. Peter Damien was one of them, said that Our Lady stood in between the good feet and her son on the cross, and she obtained his conversion and salvation on the cross. She can obtain many graces for us. That's why it is a blasphemy to take Our Lady, the statues of Our Lady, away from places of public worship. When she's taken away, we, we, we don't remember her, but she is present interceding for us. And so she saw from the side of the wounds of Jesus Christ, 
the word graces and mercy. My dear brothers and sisters, it is at last that we receive the wonderful graces that will keep us from sin and make us holy. And it is from the Mass that we shall obtain mercy and peace for ourselves and for others. St. Anthony of Padua, as a youth, assisted devoutly at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass every day. And as an ordained priest, of course, celebrated it being the source, center, and summit of his entire life. The scriptures tell us, blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Holy Eucharist as sacrament. Jesus told us at the Last Supper, Oh, how I have longed to share this Passover meal with you. Why? Because he was not only instituting the sacrifice of his love, but he was also instituting the sacrament of his love. Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't want, us, doesn't want to wait for us to go to heaven to have communion with us. He wants communion with us right now. And by virtue of our communion with him and holy communion, he promises us communion with him forever in heaven. For he said, he eats in my flesh and drinks in my blood, lives in me, and I live in him, and I shall raise him up on the last day. Provided, my dear people, we receive him in a worthy state. That is, in the state of sanctifying grace. For if we do not receive them in a worthy state, that is, in the state of mortal sin, St. Paul warns us that we eat and drink our own condemnation. I have to say these things to you, because we have lost the basic tenets of our faith. Many people do not believe this, or have heard it from the public in years, or never even heard of it. That you must be in the state of grace to receive your Eucharistic God. The great Teresa of Avila said, When you receive our Lord and Holy Communion, make of yourself a first class hotel and not some dive. Give His Majesty the red carpet, treat him well and give him much attention, and His Majesty will be a good tipper. And that tip will be the tip of eternal life. St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor of the faith, once said, angels could be jealous of us, they would be jealous of us at the moment when we receive Jesus in Holy Communion, because they cannot receive their God in the same way that we do. St. Augustine said, God, who is infinitely wise, can't think of anything greater to give you than his son Jesus in Holy Communion. God, who is vastly rich, has no more to give you than his son Jesus in Holy Communion. And God, who is all-powerful, can't give you any more than his son Jesus in Holy Communion. And lastly, outside the Mass, we must become tabernacle huggers. For we believe that this great gift, this great treasure, this gold of our Catholic faith, is reserved outside of Mass in our tabernacles for our love and for our worship and our adoration. When I was newly ordained, I went over to a second grade class to prepare them for the first Holy Communion. This little seven-year-old put up her hand and said, Father Murphy, Father Murphy, can I ask you a question? She says, yes, go ahead. She says, are you a leprechaun? <laughs> I says, yes, I am. How did you know? I said, well, somebody told me that you came from Ireland, that you're a leprechaun, but leprechauns are small. You're too tall to be a leprechaun. I said, well, I'm the king of the leprechauns. <laughs> but leprechauns are ugly. You're cute. No, she didn't say that. But anyway. 
said, if you're a leprechaun, where do you hide your gold? And I said, one thing that leprechauns don't do not give away their secrets, especially where their gold is hidden. And she put up her hand, she says, Father Murphy, I know where your gold is hidden, in the tabernacle. The gold of our Catholic faith is contained within our tabernacles. He is with us just as he promised when he said, I will be with you till the end of time. Jesus said that my delight is to be among the children of men. The Eucharist then, brothers and sisters, is a continuation of the incarnation of Christ on this earth. And every saint is a creature of love and cannot but feel an attraction for the sacrament of love. Eucharistic visits, hours of adoration, moments of prayer before the tabernacle were the passion of the saints. Our saint today would spend many all-night vigils with his Eucharistic glory. And so, brothers and sisters, let us ask Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament and St. Anthony of Padua to make us into great altar lovers and tabernacle huggers so as to know and love the Good Shepherd who leads us into the rich pastures of eternal life. Amen. 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 Amen.